All right, um, we're going to continue our series on the Holy Spirit this morning, and so I have a question for you. Um, how many, has anybody ever moved houses before? Um, how many of you just love moving? You love the packing and just the organizing and the lifting and the, and the back aches and the stress, right? Nobody likes it. It's terrible. Moving is the worst. But there's one thing that is worse than moving, and that is when you move somebody else. When you move somebody else's stuff. When we first moved here, I was 14. We started the church, and a bunch of people from Colorado Springs came and planted with us, and they all had to move their stuff. And so, uh, and so they would ask the church, and so my dad is a pastor, and so what is a new pastor to do? To help all these people. Well, I got two strapping young gentlemen who are willing and able to move. So I spent an inordinate amount of time in a hot, sweaty truck, 100 degrees, moving people's stuff. And you know, they're like, we'll have pizza for you. Oh, that makes it so much better. Thank you. I'm dropping everything that I have. Little Caesars, are you kidding me? And... um. So we did that. You know, the worst thing is when you show up and nothing is packed and you're like folding their underwear or putting it in. It's like the worst. Um, but the reason I ask is because we're about to move houses ourselves. And we are going to have little Caesars out the wazoo. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> we're moving. We're cleaning out all of our stuff. And um, when you're moving, you're organizing, you're cleaning out. And you're like, Why? Do I still have this? <laughs> what? It's been sitting in my closet for five years. I've never touched it. It's just collecting. It's because you're going through all the random stuff. You're just like, you're purging. You're getting rid of it. And um, you're getting rid of some stuff that you have held on to. And once you clean it out, you feel so much better, right? Once you clean out your house, you're, you know, we're working on cleaning everything. So we're like scraping waffles off the ground that the kids have eaten and spitting out, you know what I mean, and getting stuff off the carpet, and you look around and you're like, oh my gosh, I like this house. <laughs> I live here? This is awesome. And, um, and so I think during this Holy Spirit series, we're going through a little bit like this as a church. Uh, maybe you're sitting here in the worship um, or during the message, and you're like, why do I still have this? Why have I been holding on to this? Why has this been sitting around collecting dust, and um, that shouldn't be there. I need to get it out, and so, um, and I feel like if we actually got some stuff out, you might look around at your life and say, oh, I like this place. <laughs> you know, I actually like my wife and kids. I don't like <laughs> screaming out. <laughs> I actually, I do like my job. I, I, this isn't so bad, and, um, and so this morning, I want to invite you to allow the Holy Spirit to maybe move some stuff out, to get some stuff out that maybe been hiding or holding on to, because it just happens. You, you go through life, and you just gather stuff, and it just collects. And so we need the Holy Spirit to, to help us. And so, um, and I think a lot of times the Holy Spirit gets a bad rap. Um, he's the redheaded stepchild of the unity, uh, of the Trinity. And I'm sorry, I always found that term very offensive. I'm sorry if you're a redheaded stepchild in here. You are not lesser than anybody else. <laughs> um, but, you know, and I think when people think about the Holy Spirit, um, 
Sometimes I think about running around the sanctuary, diving in the baptismals, rolling on the ground. And um, I've definitely had those types of encounters with the Holy Spirit. And those are good. Um, you can't exactly control how the Holy Spirit's going to interact when the God of the universe comes into a human. <laughs> um, and like at Tag Camp, we're about to have powerful encounters with the Holy Spirit. And um, over the course of the years, we've had lots of people have powerful encounters. And the thing about when you have powerful encounters when you're a teenager, you don't really know what's happening in everywhere. <laughs> like your emotions are everywhere, and then now you're interacting with the Holy Spirit, and you're crying, hugging everyone, and it's awesome. We're exposing people to the Holy Spirit. And so one year, uh, we had a student who just had a powerful encounter with the Holy Spirit, and he just started having an exorbitant amount of joy. And so he started laughing, and that was actually Ethan Parsley. I don't know where he is right now. But he started laughing, and this is an occurrence that, has, that happens sometimes. And he, he's laughing, and we're like, we got to, is this, and when you're dealing with high schoolers or junior highers, you're like, is this real, or is this, are they, are you seeing attention, are they egging it? We got to coach them. We got to make sure that, you know, that things are in order, that people aren't just going crazy and nuts. And so we were like, okay, well, if it's real, he doesn't need his friends around. So we took him away, put him in a corner. <laughs> and he was still laughing. And st we're, the night's over. We're tearing down. We're getting ready to go home. And because um, he just had this powerful encounter with God. And sometimes, like, you just don't understand it. So we're looking around. We're like, someone made the decision. They're like, how do we get this kid to stop laughing? And they're like, well, Pastor Ken's here. Let's put him in a truck with Pastor Ken. <laughs> <laughs> and so I don't know who made that decision, but but it didn't, it didn't help, right? I would think the opposite, actually. He's probably in there in the truck with Ethan, like, speaking tongues, and they're all having a good time. But then, so we're done tearing down, and he's just still enjoying the Holy Spirit. And um, he stands up. He's like, well, I think I'm going to go to bed now, <laughs> and just stops. And, and he had a powerful encounter with the Holy Spirit. And, um, and those things are good. We need those powerful encounters with God. Um, and, and I want students to experience that, and I want to coach them. I want to help them. And as Christians, we need to be more full of the Holy Spirit. And, um, but that doesn't necessarily mean more jumping, more powerful encounters where we get the Holy Spirit goosebumps and, and have these crazy things. If every time I saw my wife... And all we did was make out hardcore and other adultish things. And that's all we did. That's not basis for a genuine relationship, right? It's fun. It's awesome. <laughs> Love it. But you need those. You need that day to day with your with those close relationships. You need that day to day with the Holy Spirit and with your spouse. And that's where you get real genuine power. It's where you get real, genuine closeness with the Holy Spirit. And so um, I want to encourage us all this morning, we need to become well acquainted with the Holy Spirit. He's not a weird uncle. He's the advocate. He's the helper. He's not a special guest that we invite on special times. He's direct access to God. And, um, and uh, the Christian life lived devoid of, of the intimate and consistent connection with the Holy Spirit is a Christian life lived unfulfilled. And the truth is we deal with stuff on the day-to-day, -day, right? We deal with our sin. We deal with other people. We deal with s serious things like sexual abuse, 
like mass shootings, famine, disease, depression, all these things that day-to-day things come up. And the role of the Holy Spirit is to help you live your life beyond what you can do in your own strength. That's Pastor Ross Parsley. He said that. So, Without the Holy Spirit's power, we can never be the people that God created us to be. And so um, I just think we could use a little bit more. I think we could be a little bit more empowered. Um, And I don't know what your comfort level with the Holy Spirit is. If you're listening to stories and you're like, oh my God, that sounds like a cult. (laughs) You know, I don't know what that is, but what I do know is that the world is broken and we can't make it on our own strength. We need something else. Um, Everyone remember when we lost power last year? Yeah, that wasn't fun. Right? No AC, no TV, no Wi-Fi. And um, you can survive that way, right? But it's not as enjoyable <laughs> as the life we have become accustomed to. Uh, living without the Holy Spirit is like, I like to say at TAG, if you went down a water slide at a water park with no water on it, how would that feel? You could do it. You'd make it down to the bottom, but it would not feel good. It's not as fun. Right? And so we need the Holy Spirit. He, he gives us power to overcome sin, overcome spiritual enemies, endure hardship, witness, speak, pray. Without power, all of that potential is wasted. Zechariah 4.6 says, It's not by might nor by power, but by my Spirit, says the Lord Almighty. And so this morning we're going to continue to learn about the Holy Spirit and about the power and authority that he gives us to walk day to day, every day. And so, um, you guys want to learn something about the Bible? Is that okay? All right, cool. Because I did some work to bring something to you, so it would be cool if we could all learn something from it. Um, One of the greatest places in Scripture to learn about the Holy Spirit is from the author, the gospel writer, Luke. He uh, is the third book in the New Testament. Luke was written by Luke. Uh, you guys are learning yet? Yeah. Okay. It's one of my favorites because he, above all the other gospel writers, includes the Holy Spirit in Jesus' life more than the others, right? Um, His gospel is known as the gospel of the Spirit because he has such an emphasis on it. The expression Holy Spirit occurs 13 times in Luke uh, and Acts. Luke wrote Acts as well, and it occurs 41 times in Acts, which is way more than the other gospels. In the Lucan perspective of salvation, power and spirit are intimately linked. So in Luke and Acts writings, Luke is all about when you, ha- when you come into contact with the Holy Spirit, when you get filled with the Holy Spirit, you, uh, it's followed by power. The Greek word for power is dunamis. It's Luke, and it's found ten times in his gospel and seven times in Acts, where it only appears three times in Matthew and two in Mark. And so we get this connection in, in Luke's gospel that the Holy Spirit and power, they go hand in hand. Uh, I'll, we'll, I'll share a few scriptures with you. Mary... Um, when she was being told that she would be carrying the Messiah in Luke 1, 35. 
The angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come on you and the power, dunamis, of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born to you will be called the Son of God. Jesus, at the beginning of his ministry, very beginning, Luke 4.14, Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit. And news about him spread through the whole countryside. He was teaching in synagogues and everyone praised him. Luke 5.17, one day... Jesus was teaching, and the Pharisees of the law were sitting there. They had come from every village of Galilee and Judea and Jerusalem, and the power, dunamis, of the Lord was with Jesus to heal the sick. One more. I promise. Acts 10, 37. You know what has happened throughout the province of Judah, beginning in Galilee, after the baptism that John preached, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth, Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power and how he went about around doing good and healing all who were under the power of the devil because God was with him. And so make no mistake, one of the most important aspects of being filled with the Holy Spirit is power. Um, Walter Grunman is a scholar, academic um, theologian. He says, power is the essence of God and the gift of power goes with that of the Spirit. Um, and so that's a nice thing to know. Those are nice scriptures. So are you guys convinced? Did I convince you? Did you learn something? Great. It's only important that we know that power is part of the Holy Spirit, but we also need to know that you, everyone say me, everyone say I, I don't know, <laughs> whatever grammar thing I'm about to say works there. You and I are responsible to walk in the same power. Luke 24, 49 says, I'm going to send you what my father has promised, but stay in the city until you have been clothed. Everyone say clothed. Clothed with power from on high. Acts 2, 17 through 21 says, In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days. They will prophesy. I will show wonders in heaven in heavens above and signs on earth below. You know, it's, it's like Jesus looked at our journey. He looked across time. He looked across the story of salvation. And he knew that even just knowing and having the right gospel message and having the, going to church and going to all these things and, and um, your thoughts and your strongholds and, and there, there's an enemy that's going to kill, steal, and destroy. He looked at all that stuff and, he, and it wasn't enough without the power of the Holy Spirit in us. If I had to grade the disciples before they got filled with the Holy Spirit, I don't know that they would get a very good grade. Right, you got Judas. Probably not, probably F. Peter had his own issues, right? He denied Jesus when he needed him most, so that's not great. He always had his foot in his mouth, right? He cut off a guy's ear. Um, you got Doubting Thomas, which that guy got a bad rap. It's like, I ask one question. <laughs> I ask one question. <laughs> and um, they all kind of left him. They all, they, they all kind of left him at the end, which, except for John, but he wrote that about himself, and he also called himself the most loved, so, you know, seems suspect, but, you know, and then you... You, you, are, um, you see the disciples. Jesus comes back. 
Jesus comes back, and they're hanging out with him. And then uh, he, in Acts 1, they're just hanging around, and he tells them his last thing. He said, the Holy Spirit will come on you and empower you. And then what happens? He's like, <laughs> and the scripture says they all just went like this. <laughs> and the angel's like, what are, you, why, what are you looking up there for? They're like, well, I don't know, <laughs> right? And, and it wasn't until Acts 2, what happened? Pentecost happened, and the day of Pentecost came, and they were all together in one place. Suddenly, a sound like a blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were staying. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in tongues as a spirit and enabled them. Okay, directly after this, what happens? Peter, he gets on the roof and gives a gospel message where 3,000 people give their lives to Jesus. When the people heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the other apostles, brothers, what shall we do? Peter replied, repent and be baptized. Okay, Um, those who accepted his message were baptized and about 3,000 of them were added. And so you look at that story and and you might be thinking, Peter? That guy, he got up there and proclaimed with boldness and soft, influenced 3,000 people to make a decision about their lives. What's the difference? What's the difference? It's the power. It's the power of the spirit that is in him, right? It's like, you know, they're kind of like, they're with Jesus, they're like bozos. Just like trying to, trying to figure it out. And then all of a sudden, boom, here we are, preaching. The scripture says wherever he, wherever he walked, his shadow was healing people. Like everything they were doing was like healing, speaking, boldness, power, um, salvation, right? And so there's one point to today's message. It's all been leading up to this, ladies and gentlemen. So you can remember it. The Holy Spirit empowers us to be witnesses. Acts 1.8, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. The primary function of the Holy Spirit in Luke Acts is to witness concerning Jesus. Being filled with the Holy Spirit is related to the recounting of salvation history. Dr. James Shelton says that. And so what is a witness? A witness is a person who testifies to what they have seen, what they have heard. And so for us, that means everywhere we go, everything we do, everything we say is a witness to what Jesus is doing. In, in TAG, we're talking about uh, 2 Corinthians 2, and, uh, 2, 2 through 3. And, it, and Paul's talking, and he's like, you guys are a letter written not with ink, but with the spirit of the living God. And each of us is a letter written, not with ink, but with, uh, the, with, with uh, the Spirit of the living God. And so whenever anyone comes into contact you, when they look at you, when they see what you're doing, you're a letter. You're pointing them somewhere. You're saying something. Your life is saying something to them. And so the Holy Spirit empowers us to be witnesses. The works of the Holy Spirit, though varied, serve one primary function in Luke Acts to witness to the ministry of Jesus, and to bring about the working of salvation in the church. Okay? And you see it. You see it in the apostles. You see it in, in their journey and the disciples. And so 
Um, so this is kind of the thing that I'm here to say this morning. Is that we, you and I, desperately need to know how to walk in the power of the Holy Spirit. We need to become spirit-empowered people. And band, I think you guys can come up if you want to. Look at me. Dude, three minutes early. It's awesome. It's Memorial Day weekend. You guys get out of here. (laughs) We desperately need to know how to walk in that power. And the problem is, I think in our Western church, in our culture, we've lost a little bit. We're missing a little bit of that power. Instead of the Holy Spirit power defining us as a people, as a church, I think we let a little bit of offense and bitterness and division creep in to our makeup, to our psyche, to the way we communicate on Facebook, to the way we think about things, to the way we get upset about something, to what to to our emotional health. We've 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 stopped allowing the power of the Spirit to be the defining factor of those things, and we've let culture, we've let family, we've let ideologies, political parties, just they just creep their way in. And maybe and maybe it's not that. Maybe it's just your life. You're just like stressed out. There's no room. There's no room to, to, for, for God to have say because you've just filled it up, filled it up, filled it up. You know, Jesus, he's talking to Peter and he says, on this rock, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not overcome it. The gates of hell, the gates of hell can't stand. And I'm not sure that we're living like people who are attacking the gates of hell. I'm not sure we're living as in spirit empowered as we could be. And it's not just on a macro level, but maybe in your life today, you've lost a little bit of it. I know I have, especially over the past couple of years, it's just like, I just find myself, I find myself reaching for anger and bitterness and like defense. And it's like, I just see it. I just have anxiety, fear. It's like all these things are just creeping their way in. And so tonight I want to, or this morning I want to end on John 16. And it's really been um, messing with me the past couple weeks. And so I'll try not to cry, but we'll see. There's too much crying. Like Tay cried, Ross cried. It's like you guys took my card. So I just want us to, let's open, let's read the scriptures and let's just be open to what Jesus has to say to us. John 16, 1 through 6. All this I have told you so that you will not fall away. So this is Jesus, he's telling the disciples what's about to happen to him. All this I have told you so that you will not fall away. They will put you out of the synagogue. In fact, the time is coming when anyone who kills you will think they are offering a service to God. They will do such things because they have not known the Father or me. I've told you this so that when their time comes, you will remember that I warned you about them. I did not tell you this from the beginning because I was with you, but now I am going to him who sent me. None of you asks me, where are you going? Rather, you are filled with grief because I have said these things. But very truly, I tell you, it is good for you that I'm going away. 
Unless I go away, the advocate will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. When he comes, he will prove the world to be in the wrong about sin and righteousness and judgment. I love that part. When he comes, when he comes, he will prove the world wrong. I think, I think part of our problem is that we want to prove the world wrong. We want to prove our point of view, but the Holy Spirit is going to come, and he's going to prove the world wrong and sin and righteousness and judgment about sin because people do not believe in me, about righteousness because I'm going to the Father where you can see me no longer, and about judgment because the prince of this world now stands condemned. So he tells them all these stuff that's going to happen. He's like, yeah, it's going to be difficult. I'm going to die. Uh, they're going to be mean to you, and, uh, but it's okay because the Holy Spirit's going to come. And then at the end of that chapter, this is how Jesus ends, this is how John ends this part of what Jesus is saying. John 16, it says, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace in this world have peace. In this world, you will have trouble. But take heart, I have overcome the world. And so I feel like the Lord wanted me to say this today, and then we're going to worship. As I look around at my own life, as I look around at culture, as I look around at our church, I think that a lot of us would say, that many of us have lost heart. I think a lot of us in this room would say, I've lost heart. You look around at your life and you're just like, I don't know if I can, you've just have been beat down, you've been hurt, you've been full of sin and stress and anxiety and all these things. You look at the world and you just see brokenness and you see elementary schools that are just, and you just lose heart because it's like, you can't do anything about it. And it's easy, it's easy to lose heart. And it's easy that once you're there and that's your mode of operation, you're just like, anxiety, negative self-talk, this is going to suck, this is, this is where I am. And it just is like a spiral and you're just like, oh, this is never going to work out, I'm never going to be this. And you're just like stuck with sin and you're stuck with stress and you're doing all this. And we weren't meant to be a people who lose heart. We were meant to be a people who are clothed with power. As Christians, it's our responsibility to believe that healing is going to come, that there is hope, that there is a future. Where we see death, we see life. Where there is chaos, we see peace. Where there is hurt, we see healing. And so the question is, how do we walk in power? I have a whole few more minutes of my message, but it's gone now. How do we get filled? And I'm just going to read Ephesians 5, 18 through 19. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another with psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit. Sing and make music from your heart to the Lord. And that word, that word filled means to be continually filled. 
right? We started out with that. We need to be continually filled. We can't just go from encounter to encounter, Sunday to Sunday, just hoping that works. That's good, but we have to, God is looking for not people who just want to have an encounter and get stimulated by their spirits from a service. He's looking for power. He's looking for people who will be filled with power every day, who will walk, that their lives reflect an authority and a power that is different from the rest of the world. Not just because what happens in here, but because what happens at your job tomorrow and what happens with your family when you go home. And so we need to be people who walk in power. And how we do that is we become filled. And, and the question is, what are you being filled with? Is every day you're getting filled up with other things and then there's like no more room for God? That's, that's, what, that's me. I'm like, I got this to do. My kids are so annoying. I got this, blah, 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 blah. And it's like, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not sinning. I'm not, being, I'm not intentionally doing the wrong thing, but I'm not making room to be filled by him. And so that's what we're going to do this morning. Um, so I'm going to pray, and then we're going to worship just for a song, and then I'll come and close. So if you would, let's just go before Jesus, go before the Father. God, we come to you and we repent. God, we repent of losing heart. We repent of allowing the world to have its way in our minds and in our hearts and in our emotions. Today, we choose to be people who are empowered by your Holy Spirit. Today, we choose to make room to be filled by you and what you want to do and what you say, God. We don't stoop to the world's level and battle how, how the world does it, God. We wait for you to come and prove the world wrong, and we rest in your power. We can't do it on our own power, and so, God, this morning, we repent of trying that, of trying to go our own way and do our own thing. God, we make room for you this morning. We make room for you this morning. Yeah, why don't we, let's just all just stand up real quick. And we're going to worship. And here's what we're going to do. Look what it says in Ephesians. Look what it says. Uh, instead, be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another with psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit. Sing, make music from your heart to the Lord. And so that's what we're going to do this morning. And so, Lord, we invite you. Come and make your way. Come and make your home. We make room for your power and for your spirit. In Jesus' name, amen.